Okay. Good to be sharing God's word with you again. A special welcome to our visitors. If you're here for the first time, we pray that you're blessed by the, the fellowship that we have today. Please stay back and spend some time with us and enjoy some fellowship together. And uh, now we have come to the point where we are looking at God's word. And so I'll get you to turn with me to the same passage that Brother Paul read for us today, which is Matthew chapter 1, verses 16 to 25. We're looking at that. Matthew chapter 1, verses 16 to 25. We'll read as we open up the message today. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon uh, unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make, a pub, make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and commit this time to him. Father, we thank you once again for your precious word. and just thank you for the power that's contained within it to transform our minds and uh, enrich our lives. We pray that as we feed upon this word today, Lord, that our faith would be increased, that our eyes will be more keenly focused upon you and your things. And we pray that we would be better uh, educated Lord, as to your ways. Lord, drawing us closer to you, we pray that people would see Jesus more in us. We pray these things in his precious name. Amen. Amen. As I was considering which sermon or what topic to speak about today, I was thinking about doing a Father's Day um, uh, sermon, a specific one. And we've recently just finished this, the whole series on Joseph. And so I was thinking of a particular sermon to do and what came to mind? Joseph, of course. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do the same Joseph that I've been speaking about for about, you know, three months, but the other Joseph. And interestingly enough, for those of you who, who don't know, um, both their fathers were called Jacob. Both Josephs had a father called Jacob. But today we're going to be looking at this Joseph, who's, who was the husband of Mary. And this is exactly the way that we are introduced to him in the first verse that mentions him in the New Testament. He is referred to, if you look at verse 16 in your Bibles, it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. That's how he was known. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So unlike his namesake in the Old Testament, we did a whole, there was a whole number of 
chapters that the Bible devotes to that particular person in the Old Testament, the Joseph of the New Testament is a very low-key sort of character. He hasn't done the things, he doesn't do the things in, in when you compare those two characters like the Old Testament Joseph. He performs no miracles. He doesn't interpret uh, things that, that change the course of the entire world and, and of kings. He doesn't influence kings. He doesn't speak to kings. He delivers no memorable sermons. He doesn't lead other people into battle like King David and, and those, uh, those men of old. Doesn't prophesy, doesn't do anything that seems to be any exciting. So when people think of Joseph in the New Testament, they sort of think, oh, the, you know, the second fiddle, the guy that was attached to Mary. The Bible doesn't speak a lot about Joseph, but what it does say about Joseph tells us a whole lot about the man. Because this man, it seems, if we look at these passages today that refer to him, we get a glimpse of a man who is extraordinarily humble, extraordinarily meek, a man who trusted God and was a wonderful example of faith. When we look at his life, we're going to see a man who had extraordinary faith, even though he didn't seem, it didn't seem as if he did anything wonderful, what we have is an ongoing pattern in his life of a man who is full of faith and is faithful in times of uncertainty, which makes faith real. Today, my hope is that um, the fathers in our congregation today will be inspired by Joseph's life to be more like him, to be, to be uh, inspired to follow our Saviour more, to have the sort of faith that he has. And I hope that uh, we will all be inspired as we learn from his example today. So let's see how Joseph became the husband of Mary. And if you look at verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, in this way. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so from this we understand that Joseph and Mary were engaged. They were betrothed one to another. Okay, They were set to be married on a particular day. We don't know if it was an arranged marriage or not, but given the way that the, those cultures worked and still do work, it was probably likely she, they were, it was arranged. Okay, And so what we do know is that it was an ordained marriage. What, what I mean by ordained is because the Lord had organised this marriage. He organised it in a way to bring these two people together to make sure that when his son was born to the world, this man would be the earthly father, the, the caretaker, let's say, of his own son. He would make sure that this man would be the one to take care of the woman who was given the high distinction and privilege of carrying the Son of God in her womb and would be the one to act as the earthly father raising up Jesus in his earthly life. I've performed a number of weddings over the years and the waiting time between an engagement and a wedding day, let me ask you, do you think it's filled with just excitement along the way? No, it can be quite stressful because to organise a, a wedding um, can involve many, many things. There are so many things to get organised, things to get ready, apart from the ceremony of the day, which is already 
many things to organize. There's normally a reception that goes after and who do you invite and what, where do you have it and what do you serve and all those different types of things. And then during that particular time, you need to work out, well, where are you going to live? Are you going to move to this suburb or that suburb? Are you going to organize a house and you have to prepare the house and, and work out all those different types of things? And what about work? If you're, if you're moving a fair way, if one partner's moving a long way, what happens to the work situation? And, and what about the honeymoon? The honeymoon's another uh, thing that normally has uh, become very important these days. The anticipation of a new life together also brings with it a fair bit of anxiety probably. Because if you've been living at home for your entire life and then all of a sudden you are now set out, you've launched out into the deep with, uh, with someone, you have to now adjust your entire life around a new set of circumstances. You need to take responsibility now for things that you didn't have responsibility for before. And so there's uncertainty in that, but there's also excitement. But in this waiting time, with Joseph and Mary, um, Joseph discovers that she's pregnant. You imagine that? You imagine getting that uh, wonderful piece of news while you're organising a wedding. I mean, how do you react to that? How do you respond to that? You know, while you're busy organising all this stuff and working out where, where we're going to live and how it's going to work and all that sort of stuff and all of a sudden you get news, uh, by the way, uh, uh, your spouse, your, uh, your fiance is uh, pregnant and you know it's not yours because they're not going on any dates, that's for sure. They're not going out together. They weren't they were meeting together, they weren't going out together. It just was not done at all. So you think to yourself, this is someone else's baby. I suspect in this particular case, most spouses would immediately become distraught. Can you imagine? The woman that you love, that you're, you're organizing to spend the rest of your time, your life with, is pregnant. You would become distraught. Most would become furious. They'd become automatically angry. And some would probably end up heading towards a nervous breakdown. Because in this particular culture, um, who's, who's grown up in a small country town here? Ah, small country towns are lovely, aren't they? They're lovely because they're a close and neat community. But if, you, if you're organizing a wedding, everyone knows what's going on. So all of a sudden, everyone in your community would find out, oh, did you hear about Joseph's wife? Poor guy. I wonder what he did to deserve that. Your whole reputation will be tarnished. It'll be changed forever. And so a lot of people in that particular case, thinking my whole life is now ruined, would become either overly angry, anxious, frustrated, distraught, and a whole range of other emotions that you probably go through. So we see Joseph here for the very first time, the first time he's mentioned, has a serious dilemma on his hands here. In addition, the sort of scandal, like I said, can ruin a person's life permanently. And unlike Mary, who had been visited by the angel already and told you're going to have a child by the Holy Ghost, he didn't know that. 
He did not have that information. And so one of the options he probably had was to get furious and get even, as people are commonly doing these days. To get even is a is a the norm in for most people. When they've been wronged, a lot of people in this world would seek to get even with the other one. If he became furious, if he became angry, he may have sought to make a public mockery of her and her family for allowing this thing to take place. Because technically they were already regarded as husband and wife in that culture. That's it. Once you're engaged, you're married. That's that's you know in that phrase lock it in Eddie. Okay, that's locked in. You can't change it after that. But look at verse 19. Let's see how Joseph responds. So he's got this incredibly uh, terrible news. And in verse 19 it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put away privily. That's privately. So Joseph described the first thing that the, that the Bible says about this man, about his character, is that he is a just man. Now, if your name gets recorded in the Word of God, that is eternal now in nature, and you're recorded as a just man, that's a good description. That is a wonderful way to be described in the Bible, as a just man. As a just man, he was not in the business of getting vengeance and getting evil. This looks as if it was not his character. It meant that he trusted in the Lord for justice. So he didn't want to make, it says, a public example of her, which meant he didn't want to bring this thing in front of the whole town and say, do you see what they did to me? This family that I trusted, they are, they are, they are bad family. They should be shunned or they should be mocked for, for the way they are. They didn't do that. He didn't want to make a public spectacle of her in their hometown or to people around to declare and to shout from the rooftops that he'd been wronged by what had gone on. No, he didn't do that. No, he had no such desire for that sort of thing. Even though all he knew was that the girl he loved was now pregnant with someone else's baby. He thought it would be best just to separate quietly. Joseph, it looks as if he's not the sort of person who would get road rage if someone's donkey cut in front of his. Now, this is a man, it seems, in the most difficult of circumstances and uncertainty. If he can hold himself together in that particular thing, it shows us that his character was a man who was just, yes, but that he was gentle and meek as well. This is a wonderful lesson for us to learn from Joseph. I mean, consider this for a moment. You're about to get married and you hear that your spouse is pregnant with someone else's child. Um, how many other things can you think that are worse than that? That's pretty bad news. And so if he's able to be meek and loving and gentle and forgiving, then what does that say about us and the things that we go through in our lives? 
How do we respond when things don't go right for us, when people wrong us? The Bible says that we are to pray for, to love our enemies. Um, and Joseph is a good example of that. He doesn't seek revenge. And the scriptures tell us not to uh, fight evil with evil. Rather, he seeks to be gentle rather than seeking revenge. That is a good example for us. Let's continue with verse 20. It says, well, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So we see that Joseph wasn't also someone to make rash decisions. He was taking his time about this. He says he thought about this thing, and he eventually went to sleep. He went to bed. Now, I don't know how many people would go, be able to go to sleep if you heard that type of news. But he decided to have to sleep on the matter before he made a decision about it, which I think is a good thing. But while he's asleep, God provides him with an answer. An angel visits him to confirm everything would be okay. Everything was going to be right and that he could take Mary to be his wife. And the angel, first of all, recognises that he's a, you'll notice it says here, thou son of David. His father's name wasn't David. His father's name just before said he was Jacob. But he's a descendant of David. So Joseph is a descendant of King David. And Mary was a descendant of King David. So Jesus was a descendant of King David which made him the rightful ruler, the one who would inherit the throne. So the lesson for us here is that in uncertain times, in painful times that we go through, it's important not to let the flesh get the upper hand because the normal reaction when someone's done something bad to you is to immediately do something. Is the flesh rises up, it, 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 it pushes all the buttons of all the emotions you might have, and then it tells you, you have to do something about this now. You have to get even. You have to protect your reputation. But Joseph gives us an example of this, that making rash decisions is the wrong way to do it. Now, Joseph responds by thinking about a godly response. Not a reaction, a response. And there is a difference between those two things. A reaction means that you have lost control of the situation, but a response is something that says that you are in control of what you're doing. He decided to wait on the Lord for direction. He didn't rush his decision. And now God gives him the answer of what he is supposed to do. That's a beautiful thing. Even if you, if you think about... It says that he, would, he was 
called to name Jesus. So who named Jesus? It was actually Joseph. He says, you, you shall call him Jesus. So it's Joseph the father who had the responsibility to name Jesus. So that would be a high privilege, wouldn't it? What an honour to name the actual son of God. Let's look at verse 24. Let's continue. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So he takes his time. He doesn't get overworked. He seeks for a godly response. God gives him the answer. He finds through, through, a, through his sleep, okay, while he rests. And now the question is, what does he do when God has given him the actual answer? Well, the answer to that is he obeys. He simply obeys. He doesn't go ranting and raving. He doesn't, he doesn't question God. He simply does what God tells him to do. He was bidden to take Mary as his wife. And what does he do? Takes Mary as his wife. No questions asked. He trusts God for that. He may not have all the details of what's going on. He might not have all the details in the background, but God's answer is sufficient for him. Now, I want you to consider, as we're looking at Joseph's life and these, these um, visits that he gets from angels, I want you to understand that the word that he was given, those things, instructions he was given from the, from the uh, angels was directly from God, but the words that you have in your, you're holding in your hands in this church today that you bring home with you and that you read are the God's instructions for you and me. They are not, they are, they are just as pure, just as detailed, okay? And so the question now is, if he was faithful enough to simply obey when God gave him an instruction, the question is, do we simply obey? Or do we find excuses around those, those